today on the A to the Show, we have Ryan Dean, philosophy and finance. Yeah, today we talk about money and our relationship with it and the world's relationship with it. Um, with this guy who knows a lot about money <laughs> and a lot about philosophy. So philosophy plus finance equals the way you think about money. One of the most important aspects of our lives. So definitely check out this episode of A to the Show. Oh, episode 300 the way to the show 300 episodes in boys well done we made it right we're still alive i'm still doing this for 300 episodes don't ask me how uh today we're joined by the wise guys or some of the wise guys amir who now has his own channel philosophies 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 you guys should check it out we'll leave a link in this episode's description as well as say jamal and ryan dean ryan let the world know who you are and what you do. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on here. I love you guys' show. I've watched a little bit of it as well. And um, so my name is Ryan Dean. My main page is cosmic underscore Rye. That's my Instagram. And my whole thing is blending the two aspects of philosophy and finance together. Because I get a, I get a couple weird looks whenever uh, I explain these two. It's just like, how do those two relate? And that's how I know I'm on the right track because, you know, that's that's how I'm blending these two together because my philosophy is hey, if I show people how to become better human beings and then I show them the principles of money, well, then now we have better human beings with money. Right. And that can give that can open the world to a lot more, you know, giving a lot more prosperity for the world. And that's that's really my whole goal you know, as the, you know, philosopher, financier that uh, I kind of put myself at. It's, it's amazing. What you I really love your page and I really love like the kind of education and um, tips you share. Um, I think a lot of people have a really distorted uh, relationship with money, <laughs> pretty much. Either they obsess too much about it or they spend too much or, you know, they get insecure and anxious about it. So what's your philosophy with money? I love that. Um, I love it. Just the, they spend too much. They have a negative mindset about it. I actually just made a post about this the other day or a couple of weeks ago, actually. And it goes about how to reframe how you look at money, right? Because in no, no kind of matter where you grew up, because I'm a Mexican immigrant. I was born in Juarez in Mexico. And whenever I was growing up, my parents always told me, you know, money is the root of all evil, right? You don't need money. <laughs> Happiness, right but i'll also tell you money is about a lot more happiness than being broke ever has i'll just i'll just throw that out there right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so sure. with within mm -hmm. that like the main way that i like to reframe money is like it's a tool right money is just going to amplify more of who you already are so if you if you suck as a person guess what money is going to make you suck even more but if you have a good heart and you want to do things with it that can actually contribute to the good of society well hey whenever you get more money you're just going to want to do more of that so that's really my philosophy behind how we can help reframe just bare bones style you know how we look at money if that makes sense wait so what if i wanted to spend it on just a bunch of cool shit? does that make me good or bad oh that's one shit. i'm keeping tallies too of your list you know what? Hey, <laughs> i'm cool <laughs> no that's cool but if i do want to spend it on cool stuff like is, it, is that does that mean i'm a good person or a bad person <laughs> i love that question because it's very dependent on you right because although i may give people the tools to kind of see how they look at it it takes a certain level of awareness and self-identity to realize hey am i doing this for selfishness right am i doing this out of ego am i doing this you know for the sake of of not the most optimal reasons right so it takes a certain level of, of awareness to do that that's not something that i can you know diagnose for you so if i wanted to spend it just because i wanted to you know like say I wanted the Lamborghini. It's, it's selfish reasons, and sometimes you can be a little selfish and get you something good, right? Say I oh, wanted yeah. to get a Lambo, Ventador, right? Just for the just, just for the sake of it, is mm -hmm. does that with that in your eyes? Be be completely honest. Does does that make me an asshole per se, or does that make me you know a good person for trying to make myself happy? Like because you can go about it so many different ways here. Like, especially, this is why I'm, I'm not too deep into philosophy. It's because you can go about it many different ways, many different aspects of good and evil. So in your eyes, what is it? I love that question. I love the way you phrase it, too. Is like, it, that's why you don't agree with most philosoph most philosophies, because they kind of they kind of gear it to where it can almost seem that they're demonizing people that want to do stuff that makes them feel good. Right. And a common philosophy in Buddhism is you know, to eliminate all desire and blah, blah, blah. It sounds horrible, right? Because we want things. 
right? I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but the main, you know, where it gets misconstrued is it's controlling your desires. It's knowing when to act upon them and knowing why you do it, right? And if you personally, you don't want to spend it on a Lambo, hey, go ahead, right? From a financial standpoint, do I think it's a wise investment? No, but is it an investment in you? And does it make <laughs> you feel good, right? Does it help your performance? Does it help you get somewhere faster? Definitely, right? So if you can outweigh, <laughs> if you value it and what it can do for you, you mm -hmm. know, I can't tell you anything otherwise. No philosophy can tell you otherwise. And in fact, you're in complete alignment with what you want to do with it, right? So I say go for it. Yeah, something I wanted to talk about is, uh, so you were saying about like how you want to incorporate philosophy with finance so that you can make people who are in a sense good deal with, have money. So from what I've noticed is like, like these are the two main systems that we know about which is you know capitalism communism and communism basically failed because you know eventually just leads to dictatorships and uh, honestly the concept of capitalism in my opinion it has been misabused uh, and the reason why in my opinion like these two have been in a sense they have failed in their full form is because bad people have been using them so communism leads to dictatorships because people because the government just basically takes full control and uh, capitalism leads to um basically also abusing people like when you find out that these major comp corporations just utilize uh cheap labor so that they can you know produce their pr products and uh, yeah so like how do we remedy this in a sense like what's your opinion on it I love that the uh, the kind of the yin and yang, right? Like we talked about the bad and the good and the bad and still bad, right? And yeah. I'm pro-capitalist all the way because the reason why is because I'm very secure in myself and where I would like to, you know, give back to my community with certain amounts of money, right? I can't speak for the entire world. And some of these CEOs, you know, some of these people that have been in power for years and years and years, they were just brought up in a way that, you know, led them to that point, right? So. The way I see it, the more we can start educating, you know, the youth and people that are maybe in their teens and early 20s, you know, this is really where we can start pivoting that mindset and being like, hey, capitalism isn't the devil, right? Communism, you know, had its roots in good heartedness, right? Everyone equal, right? We all want an equal society. You know, logistically, it's proven that it can't happen that way, right? So now if we start reshifting the mindset of capitalism, like, hey, look, if you know how to deal with money, if you have a good set of values, if you understand what you can do with your money in a positive light and negative, because you got to acknowledge both, right? Mm -hmm. Then they can make the decision and we can kind of guide them along that path and, you know, put people in better positions, right? Because I run my own agency out here in San Diego. I teach my agents and I teach the people on my team exactly what to do with money and how to value it. And then from there, they generate their own path towards their own journey of greatness, right? I can't control where these people go. But I can at least give them the tools to where they can kind of see where they're starting to veer off the path, if that makes sense. Yeah. And what kind of philosophy do you focus on? So I primarily am a part of the yogic philosophy. Um, my teacher actually has, um, like my teacher's teacher was one of the, quote, fathers of modern yoga, right? So a lot of the yogic philosophy that I deal with, because when people think of yoga, people think of doing people all do kind of bendy stuff, and, <laughs> you know, Southern California beaches, like out on the yoga mat, lots of bendy women, right? But the thing is, <laughs> is that there's there's a whole other side of, there's the actual philosophy side of it, dating back 2000 plus years about how to become a good human being. Because the word yoga yeah. in Sanskrit means to yoke. And to yoke means like you have like ox, like in a yoke, right? It takes work. It's practice right so i use the practical leadership communication sides of yoga and that is my primary philosophy all right that's yeah that's it all right uh, i want to ask you about um we were talking earlier about let's say ali wants to get a porsche right <laughs> and he wants that porsche, porsche. So bad. Do I look like oh, a you Karen? Said, you said a Lambo, you said a Lambo, you said a Lambo. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's true. He really wants a Lambo, right? And then I like we talked about, And we, like, we talked about, you yes. were like, yeah, if you like it and provides you value, you should get it. Um, but there's um, a huge trend now with uh, minimalism and trying to let go of a lot of objects and a lot of material possessions. Mm -hmm. um, you were saying that maybe, I don't know, maybe not having 
desires is not a good way to live your life or is it a good way to live your life? What do you think about it? I love, like, again, I love your, the questions that are being asked because they're very well thought out. You know, when it comes to the, um, you know, the desires versus like, should I spend or should I cut back? The number one thing I always ask people when they're looking at our services is, you know, let's say I'm talking to a family. I would ask, hey, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Smith or whoever it is, do you believe it's easier for you to personally find more ways to make more money so you can pay for those expenses or to cut out the expenses and cut out the things that you enjoy? And I get a variety of answers. And based off of those answers, I can kind of see where their mindset's at, right? Because I'm personally under the opinion that I would rather find more ways to earn more money because I enjoy the, look, I enjoy the nice things, right? Like I enjoy a nice car. Like I have a designer ring. Like I don't need it, right? But I like it, right? <laughs> like no one, no one in their life ever goes up to a Versace ring and they're like, yeah, I really need this, right? Like, no. But it makes you feel good. It makes you look good. It's fun to have it, right? So I think as long as people can understand like, hey, are they willing to work a little bit harder to afford these expenses or are they willing to work a little bit harder in the other direction and cut out some things that they enjoy, right? And that's just that's just kind of my mindset about it. And that can apply to cars, homes, um, anything material that you could buy per se. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm really interested in how you detach from the money is the root of all evil path into your own like path of, you know, a whole different scale right so how did that really cut like how did that realization kick in where you realize it's not really the case with money right that's a, that's a great question because that that's like saying that like um you know if, if i'm building like a birdhouse or something and i have a hammer that's like saying the hammer is evil because it could hurt me right no the hammer is just a tool to build the birdhouse just like money is just the tool to build my financial birdhouse right whatever it may be Right. So I can't I can't blame the tool for doing what the tool does. Right. I could use it in any direction. I could be a serial killer with a hammer if I wanted to. Be, right. Or <laughs> I could use it to build something great. The same thing right. with money. So it took me. I also come from the military and the military did not teach me how to work with money in the slightest. Right. And my my journey in the military was filled with alcohol and bad decisions. Right. And yeah. that's just kind of is what it is, because the, the Marine Corps, that's it's not the whole culture of how to work with money. So after I got out, it took me some really, it took me to have bad experiences with money to realize that it's not the money's fault, mine. It's extreme ownership, right? Like I am responsible for it. If someone gives me the hammer again, I have the option to build a birdhouse or go kill people and anything in between, right? So it took that self-awareness to realize that I am the sole factor for what I do with that money. Right. Do, if that makes do, sense. do you really believe in that extreme, extreme ownership? Do you really believe in that with everything you do? I do. Um, I do believe in it just because there's it, it. It confirms my already belief of like the, the philosophies that I study. Right. There's an aspect of karma and karma is, you know, kind of thrown around these days. It was like, oh, what goes around comes around. But there's a lot. There's actually, you know, a few different levels to it, whether you study Buddhism, whether you study stoicism, whether you study yoga. Right. Like all the philosophies kind of connect on this one truth here, which is that whatever actions that you do, there will be a repercussion, whether in this life or the next, whatever you believe in, or whether it's next week, right? And you may not see it, or you may not directly think it was because of you or anything that you did before, but the way the universe has shown how we work before, it's exactly that. So if I take ownership of everything that I do now, I'm more conscious of the decisions, not only of me, but how is it going to affect the others around me as well, right? Because they have their own karma. They have their own journey. And we're all just a giant melting pot of each other's energies and decisions, right? So if I can help minimize my bad decisions, you know, I'm just contributing a little bit less bad energy to the world. Wow. So you said you came back from a military background. And uh, well, we had someone also who came from a military background. Uh, his name is David Pear. Uh, I oh, think yeah, the real estate guy, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he went uh, into real estate. That's how he made his wealth. Um, I want to I wanna know about, like, how did you start into your path? And what made you see that opportunity of your path? Like, where? how did you know, like, this was the, like, the, the, the way that was going to lead me to success? It's funny because uh, when I think of, like, entrepreneurship and money, like, I laughed at the idea of entrepreneurship, like, as a kid. Yeah. 
I was probably the least entrepreneurial kid you would ever meet, right? I just, I didn't want to sell things. I didn't like talking to people. I didn't like doing anything like that, right? And when I got out of the military, um, I got in trouble as a lot as a kid. I wasn't, I was a good kid, but I was just, you know, in a lot of bad situations, depending on where I was during that time, mm -hmm. right? So when I got Victimal out of the military, yeah, exactly. So like my background didn't actually allow me to work in, in the jobs that I wanted to. I paid out of pocket for my, my emergency medical technician's license. Um, I became a personal trainer and I wasn't able to work in either of those fields because of my background. So my company actually gave me a call and was like, Hey, um, you know, we're in the financial industry. We're looking for some veterans. And I was like, Hey, that's me. And then I went into the interview and they were like, do you have any background issues? And I was like, I do. So it took me, you know, uh, a grind and a half to even get the opportunity, right? I just needed an opportunity. And so when I finally got the opportunity, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by such great people and mentors that they were like, hey, look, you don't have to be here at the bottom anymore. Like you, you've, you're, you were born into poverty. You don't have to stay in poverty, right? You have a bad mindset. You don't have to, to stay in your cesspool of bad mindset, right? There's elevation, there's people, there's, you know, there's all, there's all the money in the world you can have, right? But it took me to even to get a chance, right? That's all I really was offered was a chance. I could have done with it however I wanted, but once I found my path in the financial industry, you know, and surrounded by such great people, I was really like, okay, like this is where, this is where I got to be. Right. Yeah. And what was the biggest influ uh, influence on you in that period of time where you were able to basically go into that opportunity? You mean at the time where I was like first in my company or like what, what shifted my mindset while I was in the company? Yeah. Basically when you shifted your mindset and we're able to, uh, to change, evolve in a sense. So the big change actually happened um, when I started studying philosophy more, because at the beginning, I was really just focused on business, business, business. And I didn't, I didn't have a supportive spouse at the time. I was married at the time and, and she just hated the fact that I was in business. And, you know, we're still civil with each other and whatnot now. But during that time, it was really rough on me. I, you know, I was in a bad place. I was, you know, drinking every day. I was, you know, just not being the best self. I was overweight and, uh, you know, I'm five to six on a good day. So it's very easy for me to get overweight pretty quickly, right? I'm short, there's not a lot of places <laughs> to go, right? Yeah. And um, so what happened was when I started studying philosophy, when I actually went into my yoga teacher training program um, in San Diego, there's a school that offers it. And I realized that these thousands of years of truth that have been around way before us, way before even our parents, 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 you know, ancient people have figured out how to be happy and fulfilled, maybe they're onto something here. And then I continued to confer with my teacher and then I continued to kind of delve into this world of self-development and, and philosophy. And I was like, wait a second, I can actually become a better human being and work with money. Wow, this is crazy. So that happened probably about a, almost two years ago to the date. Wow. Yeah. Yes, something also that you've mentioned uh, was that you've gone into the like so many different fields and like experiences in your life. So you've been in the military, you've done EMT train uh, in the EMT training, and uh, uh, also you've done per, uh, PT and you worked in finance. Like, how has this like built your character as Ryan now? You know, how much has that have, had an impact? Like, that diversity, those all those skills put together. I love it. Um, the diversity and the adversity, right? They're only separated by two yeah. letters, but they carry so much weight into how it develops you as a person, right? If you have if you have a diverse background, most likely adversity was there with it, right? And, um, you know, like it's the adversity and the diversity that I have in my field, it, it's just giving me that much more experience, right? Experience comes with age and knowledge of, of everything that you've done in the past, right? So... Mm -hmm. The only reason why I didn't pursue those even more is because either the law told me I couldn't or, you know, like it, there was some other extenuating circumstance that stopped me from pursuing those other fields. Right. And now that I have the freedom and autonomy to really look into some, I guess, two main fields, the philosophy and the finance part, um, since I have that diverse background already, it's made it that much easier to split my focus into two. I don't believe in multitasking, but I believe in shifting focus from one point to another. Right. So all the diversity of my military background, you know, I wrestled in high school. I played sports. You know, um, I was a hip hop choreographer. So like all of these 
you know, different backgrounds that I've had have just helped me split my focus into two main parts and give my hundred percent in each of them when I need to, if that answers your question. Yeah. I mean, and like if, with mentioning all of these different things that you've done, um, do you feel like maybe you maybe lose attention fast or like you lose interest in things uh, really fast? Because like, I get that sometimes, you know, like I'm, I'm really interested in something and then I just like, I'm no longer interested in it. I just want to stop it and do something else or do something new. Right. Totally. And I can definitely see like the more I, the more I explain kind of more of my background, it seems like, okay, this, this guy's all over the place. Right. <laughs> and um, the thing is, is that for everything that I've done, I put my all into it for as long as I could have. Right. So when I was a hip hop choreographer, I was a hip hop choreographer from about age like nine to about age 16. Right. So that was like my sole focus. And then I was a high school athlete, you know, while I was in school, I would focus on my athletics. I would focus on that. And then in my off time, I would focus on putting together dance pieces. When I was an EMT, like that was my sole focus. That was it. That was it. When I was in the military, sole focus. Right. And now that I'm out of the um, industry now, I have all of these different and diverse skill sets. But now I'm able to really figure out what I want to focus on. Because I also play guitar, like I'm a musician, but I don't, I don't consider myself like the next Travis Scott or, you know, anything like that, right? I just because I play it doesn't mean I'm committed to becoming the next big thing in, it, right? So, it's actually helped me a lot more to realize what I can focus my interest on versus what's just a distraction in my life. So it's actually helped me kind of divvy the two up a little bit better. So I'm actually better at focusing on what I need to focus on on that time. So I love that question. And what would you say some of the mistakes that you did with money when you first started? So you you said you didn't know much about money when you first left the military and it was difficult to get used to it because, you know, you would drink a lot or, uh, you know, you're overweight. But what else, you know, what else were some of the actual mistakes? Because, you know, you first started out working in the financial industry, you weren't going to get everything right immediately so there must have been some tough lessons in the financial industry itself so what were some of the biggest ones you'd say oh that's 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 super true right because in my firm it's commission right so you learn how to deal with um your money a lot better because you own it's like you kill what you eat or you eat what you kill kind of thing right mm -hmm. and um some of my very first mistakes were just like well don't buy you know extra vehicles that you don't need um, if you're right, yep. like, cause I bought a motorcycle and I didn't need one. I already had a truck. Like I didn't, I didn't really need it, but I bought a motorcycle just cause mm -hmm. I was like, I'll use it eventually. Right. And, um, I bought, uh, like a lot of food out to eat because I had to go meet with clients out in there before pre COVID era. We had to actually go meet with clients in the, you know, at a coffee shop or at their house or whatnot. Right. And not eating out all the time. Um, actually learning how to save my commissions because when you work in a commission environment, it's a little bit of a different mindset versus like a W-2 because as a W-2, you know that no matter what you do, you know, you're going to get that paycheck on either the first or the 15th or twice a week or twice a month. Right. So whenever I got my commission, I really had to shift that mindset. of like, I still have to save. I still have to save some money because I would be used to like, okay, this is my commission. I got to hold on to it. I got to just, it's mine, mine, mine. I got to keep it. Right. So that was one of my big mistakes that I wouldn't save as much money because, you know, that's just, that's the only thing I had at the time, but it took away from my ability to, you know, really stack and start saving wealth because of that kind of scarcity mindset. Why not reinvest it? Say again? Why not reinvest your money that you're saving instead of just, you know, just holding on to it for some time? Yeah. Um, and that's a great question because I was new to the industry and I just didn't know. Right. Like I, I had some good mentors out there, but, you know, it's like when you're making X amount and you're trying to associate with someone who's making millions of dollars per year, they don't really give you the time of day because you don't have as much to offer them, you know, as someone who's closer to their income level. So I just didn't even I didn't know what was out there at the time. Like when I first got into the industry, it was like, hey, learn the basics, get licensed, you know, start, you know, developing some people, start developing yourself. I was like, okay, cool. How old so, are how you? Yes. Say again. How, how old are you? I'm 25. I just turned 25 this year. And how long have you been in the industry so far? I've been in the industry. I'll be coming up on three years in August of this year. Nice. And so uh, you must have had to coach some people in that period, right? And 
And so I'm curious, like to the people that you actually had to coach in the financial industry, what were some of the qualities that you saw? Okay, this guy, he fits right in. This guy, not so much. What were some of the qualities that make a financial, um, you know, employee excel? Yeah, um, really, there's three main characteristics that you have to find within at least our side of it, because our office, our, our company is very large. There's over 6,000 offices throughout the US, Canada and Puerto Rico. So we're a massive company, right? But the main three things that we particularly look for in San Diego is we look for character, right? We look for character because a bad, you know, a bad character and unlimited income, they don't mix, right? They don't mix well. <laughs> we yeah. look for right we, we look for we look for people like we talked about interest and whatnot right there's a difference between being interested and being committed like like i said i'm interested in music but i'm not committed to becoming a musician right mm. so we look for commitment are they willing to commit to success if we show them the tool right so we talked about character commitment and then coachability right because I know some things about the financial industry now that I've been here a couple of years, right? I, I've gotten promoted. I've promoted some people, you know, like I know a couple. Of things. So if I have someone who's older and who comes from the financial industry, I give them the utmost respect saying, you know, hey, you have a lot of value that you can bring to me. Absolutely. You already have a background in X, Y, Z. Perfect. There's also a lot of things that, that you can learn from me, right? Vice versa. Student teacher always. Right. So mm -hmm. I look for people that are coachable, that are willing to take instruction without giving me the little stank face and all that kind of stuff. Right. I look for <laughs> the commitment and I look for the character. Mm -hmm. right. Those are the three main things that I look for personally in, in a new agent or someone who's interested in our field. If that answers your question. OK, so here I want to yeah. I want to know this with you. How did you because before commitment comes interest, I think most of the time. Right. So how did you like know to move on from interest pure interest to okay i'm committed to doing this thing right because it's kind of a hard line to know whether you want to commit or not i think exactly that's a great question and that's why in that question i ask are you committed to success you don't have to be committed you know to our cause right now right but mm -hmm. are you committed to success because if you are then i can work with that right because a lot of people just kind of have interests like everyone's part of instagram and and the social media these days, right? A lot mm -hmm. of people are interested in a lot of different things, but they never actually take personal inventory to see if this is something they would actually see themselves committing to. And where that line comes into play is, yes, I'm interested, but am I willing to put in the work and consistency to get me over that interest wall? That puts you in commitment, right? Because commitment comes with discipline, right? I'm committed to excellence. I'm committed to my health. I'm committed to building relationships with my friends and family because I'm not just interested in it, but I'm consistent and I'm always trying to improve right. in that area, right? So that's why I can work with commitment to success. If you're not committed to the cause right now, perfect, fine. We'll work with it, right? Amazing. Uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any goals with money? Do a lot of people strive for financial freedom? Uh, is that what uh, you're trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. So on my, um, it in my personal room, you know, people have like vision boards of, of stuff that they want to have and whatnot. I call mine the wall of gratitude. So I, it's, a, it's a sticky note and I have a podium from my old office that I took whenever we moved offices. It's in my room and it's facing this wall. And it has all the numbers that I need to achieve um, financial security, which is just bare minimum stuff to live, financial vitality to, you know, have some things here and there. I actually stole this from Tony Robbins book, Money Master the Game. This is one of the exercises he has you do in there. And I have financial freedom, absolute financial freedom. And then I forgot, I forgot the fifth one, but it's some ridiculous. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty right? much. <laughs> and, but it, yeah. it, the reason why it's there is to put in perspective that your dreams of financial freedom are actually not that big. We think we need billions and billions of dollars, but in reality, all we want is a nice car, a beautiful house in La Jolla Shores or in, you know, West Los Angeles, something like that. And a nice family, right? that can cost you anywhere between three to $4 million. So my goal is by the time I'm 29 is to have absolute financial freedom, which my number is just over $6 million per year annual income, right? So it's completely doable because <laughs> I've broken those numbers down. And by the time I'm 29, I'm already on pace to hit it, right? right. And that's, it, it takes the specificity of goals and seeing that money is not that intimidating. We talked about just that tool. Explain to an Arab real quick what financial freedom is to be exact. I, I hear it a lot and I, I, I really don't know what that is. Of course, of course. So 
Um, one of the big things is we hear about on the Instagram myth is, is passive income and, and, you know, financial freedom, right? Those are the two big buzzwords in the social yeah. media. Yeah, world, right? Ryan, can I just interrupt for a second? Uh, yes. I think um, uh, there's this author called Nassim Talib. I think uh, his description is quite nice. I think you guys would enjoy it. Uh, he calls financial freedom, fuck you money. <laughs> That's there what he go. calls it. <laughs> so so wait, what, what does that mean? Spend as you wish, not care about. So it it basically means that you have enough money to where you are no longer trading time for dollars, right? Your dollars are now working for you, whether it's investments, whether it's employees, whether it's a company, whatever it is, you are no longer trading your time for money. So I'm not trading it for a salary. I am not giving money towards like consulting because consulting is still you just buy yourself a job. Self-employed is just you're buying yourself a job until you get to the point where it's automated. It's duplicated and you don't have to be in there in order for your money to grow, right? That's passive income, which leads to financial freedom. Like, you know, like Amir said, F you money, right? <laughs> Just enough money for what anyone can come after you. And you can say, I have enough money to deal with this problem in any sense of the word. That's financial freedom and passive income in a nutshell. Right. And how do you reach financial freedom? Because I say the fuck first... you money now, but I'm not quite sure if, I, if I've reached financial freedom. <laughs> <laughs> per se. and that's I, I love that question because it's variable for everyone right and mm. because i did the exercise where my personal financial freedom would be over six million dollars per year that's not blanket for everyone right mm. if you have fu money right now where you are happy with what you're doing you're making an income to sustain yourself buy some nice things whatever your values are with money yay that's financial freedom for you right there i reach financial right? freedom boys there we go. Well, you have to be you have to be generating income to be financially. I mean, I'm, I'm free generating guys. income and doing jack shit at the same time. So. <laughs> oh my god! Technically, they have stimulus checks in Kuwait. It's it's really cool. I want to ask you about that actually, since we're talking about it, because in Kuwait and some different places they have universal basic income, which is they they have a salary every month. They pay everyone. And Andrew Yang has a book called War on uh, Normal People, where he talks about UBI. And I think so UBI practically is you give everyone a thousand dollars a month. Um, it's like Monopoly, pretty much. Every time you go through the start <laughs> of the month, you get a thousand dollars. And um, I I truly believe in it because first of all, when you're finance when you're you know, a lot of people are broke. Most people are broke, especially in the United States and around the world. And just having that extra money makes you like more intelligent, more able to do what you like with your time. If you have an abusive relationship, you can leave it. If you have an abusive job, you can leave it and have some spare time. And it doesn't mean you can't make money. You can still make money. Um, but you have like a safety net that covers your rent. And, you know, so what do you think of that? I think it's um, I think it's a very interesting concept. I've actually never heard of that before, mm -hmm. but you know, if it's taking care of the people and, you know, if everyone's happy and if it works for the majority of, of the ecosystem of the country or whatever it's in, hell, by all means, right? The number one thing about, um, the, well, there's two main things about how this ties into philosophy, right? The first thing is that all philosophy does is prepare us for death, right? Which is pretty cool when you think about it, right? It's just like how to think whenever you're about to die or how to prepare for death. The second <laughs> is that let people do what they want, right? As long as you are not hurting people. And even if you are like, there's nothing we can do about it. You can't control the other person, right? All you can do is kind of give them the tools to do so and let people live. Right. And if this works for people, you know, if a thousand bucks a month is for people to enough, you know, be happy, sustain a good level of living, provide for their family and do good with things by all means. Right. I'm not, I'm not a kind of person that's gonna be like, no, everyone has to make, you know, 10 K a month or bust, right? Nothing else counts unless <laughs> it's six or five figures per month. So if that works, Hey, go for it. Amazing. I have a question. So how many employees do you have in your company, in your office at least? So within, so I'm under a couple other brokers that have, that run the whole agency. In our San Diego location, we have just over 200, but in our entire company, we have over 70,000 agents. With I, within my personal agency, I have about 10 licensed agents that work with me and they are, you know, uh, outlets that go out and help produce and they go out and help recruit and whatnot and uh that's that's kind of the, the general size of things because the reason i'm asking is because when people talk about the financial industry they always mention you know workplace politics that there's a lot of politics in, that goes into it and i'm not talking about you know uh, real life politics but rather just office politics where you know you have to kind of have a certain attitude and 
be a certain type of person so that you could succeed in that atmosphere. So what do you think about that? And if you do think it's true that it does exist, what are some of the things that you think people should be aware of in that atmosphere? Totally. Um, I always issue a word of caution within, or I kind of joke about it because there's almost like a stigma around the financial industry. If you can't tell, I like making jokes of things. And um, there's kind of a stigma around the financial industry where people think it's a bunch of old white dudes in suits pushing products on people, right? <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah. that's truthfully, like that's truthfully what I thought. And do we have our, our share of old white guys pushing products? Absolutely. But what's, what's unique about our industry is that we take the diversity of things, right? We take the diverse people that way we come from different backgrounds and we're like a giant melting pot. That's why the military does so well, especially within the US is because it's a giant melting pot of people. We're all under the same goal regardless. And as there's their share of office politics, sure. But you're gonna get that anywhere, right? It's just it's just the, the culture of things as a whole. Within the money game, there's a lot of corrupt people within the money game, right? So I always issue that word of caution to be like, hey, just be careful about who you associate with. Not really in our company. I, truthfully, I haven't seen a whole lot of it, but in the traditional financial industry, like the big brokerages and stuff like that, there can be that little, you know, game per se of you know, if you don't know the right people or if you come from a certain background or, you know, you don't have the right connections in some way, shape or form, it can work against you. But that's what is beautiful about this country right now is that you have the opportunity to just leave. You can be like, all right, peace out. Like, I'm out of here. Right? If you have money, if you have money, you can do that. If you have that few money, you can be like, I'm out of here. If you're, if you if you're broke, if you're broke, you're like, oh, I guess I have to keep working because I need to pay rent. Well, isn't that see, yeah. a little bit like a trap, though? Where it's like, <laughs> like, Welcome to the no, States. Yeah. It's a trap, right? I, uh, I, I saw a quote by Kevin O'Leary who's like, who said, a salary is a drug that companies give people to stay, you know, content. <laughs> oh, yeah. Much. Yeah. Well, I think a big problem uh, because it happens because people don't believe in compounded benefits, right? Like they don't, uh, and I don't mean that like you know, as a financial term, I just mean <laughs> literally the compounded benefits of doing things, uh, a few things a day over a long period of time. So you could be stuck in a job that pays you barely just enough to, to get by, but there, there's always room for a few things that could, you could do uh, on a long period of time that could help you escape that or help you develop your career further i don't believe that you're ever stuck in any situation yeah i agree i agree 100 and there's there's a cool story that has been passed around in our company for a while i don't know where it originates from but essentially there's you know there's a dog sitting on a nail and the dog is just like the paws in the nail and it's crying blah 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 and the guy you know goes to the dog picks it up like okay moves it then a few hours later, the dog steps back on the nail and it's just kind of just sitting there barking. It's like, okay, dude, what's your problem? You know, gets up and moves the dog again. Then a few hours later, dog's back on the nail. And then the dude came to the realization that the dog isn't going to move unless the dog finds it painful enough to move, right? And so we kind of get into this trap of whether unless the job, unless whatever we're doing is too painful for us to really continue, we're just going to keep barking about it. We're just going to kind of keep rolling with the punches for it right so it takes I, I, absolutely man uh, this just reminded me of my like experience at university uh, the first couple of years because a lot of it was just waiting till everything collapsed i was under like deadlines <laughs> and i had to fight for survival and then i'd be like oh time to use my brain again time to actually get get on working with uh, get shit started you know, with my deadlines yeah and study my lectures and do whatever i need to do and then i'd survive again and i'd be like oh you know, and then I go through that circle again. I, and, you know, it's a it's a dumb loop to be stuck in, you know, uh, and, you know, you don't want to be stuck in this when you're 30 or 35 years old because it's going to be much harder. The energy to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you're really not going to so, have the energy to do it. Yeah, might so. as well learn it when you're 20 that what you were doing wasn't like because a lot of people take pride in that. Oh, I just, you know, I just studied one week before my deadlines and, you know, I managed to survive. But that backfires, you know, because you develop the wrong habits and you develop the wrong attitude about things. And then you're 30 years old and you think you can just get away by, you know, squeezing every, everything into a couple of days. And that doesn't work, no. Yep. That's cool. the thing about what you were go going saying. You're right. Nope, you go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, I what, I was, what I was going to address on, on that particular point, Amir, is that there's, um, there's a misconception around consistency, right? We just talked about this is, 
consistency can work for you just like it can work against you. If you consistently build the wrong habits and if you consistently kind of push things towards the deadline, guess what? It's also going to work for you, right? It's like, the, it's like the idea of compound interest. You ever have interest on a credit card and you miss a payment and now it's up 200 bucks. You're like, what the hell just happened? Right. That's compound interest working against you. Just like it can work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Consistency. Works the exact Absolutely. Same way. Yeah. All right. Compound interest works for you. Um, a lot of people are into investing, real estate, the stock market. I was just going to talk you about, about this. I want to, I wanted to ask you a little more controversial question about what's happening with this year, especially we've, we've had a lot of crazy trends happen in finance, uh, GameStop and a bunch of short squeeze that happened cause <laughs> havoc and then also what's happening right now with dogecoin, dogecoin it's almost is, at 70 cents yeah. <laughs> right? i i i want to ask you a question uh, because yeah. you brought this up uh i read somewhere today that someone has like 22 billion market cap on dogecoin mm-hmm. so yeah exactly so this is it's a mixture between like tiktokers and then we have what they call the whales which are just like billionaires who put their money in it and yep. this is what's kind of scary, I guess, about investing in cryptocurrencies and such. What's your take on this new th- wave of finance coming in? I think, I think it's hilarious. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's one of the funniest things of all time, right? Like, this is absolutely hilarious. Like, like Dogecoin, meme currency, fantastic, phenomenal. Idea, right? This could just be because I love memes. But like whenever people start to ask me about this kind of stuff and when they want to have a serious conversation about it, I ask them like, hey, look, if you're going to invest in crypto, how much are you willing to lose? Right. How much are you comfortable losing? And that's just because crypto is the short game. Right. So you see a lot of day traders, you see a lot of, you know, Forex kind of people looking at this kind of stuff where it's just like, hey, quick now, sell it while it's short, do it while it's hot. This is this is right. And don't get me wrong. They're experts at their craft, you know, but for the average Joe and Jane, for the average person who just wants to make some money off of crypto, I just say like, hey, look. How much are you willing to lose, right? How much are you comfortable gambling away? Then when you want to talk, you know, yeah, exactly. How much was, so let's say I'd win, right? Ali, if you you put a thousand bucks in Dogecoin, like three weeks ago, you'd have had $10,000 right now. Yeah, but the thing is, how 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 was I supposed to know three weeks ago <laughs> that this shit was gonna yeah, happen? There were no right? indications. It's, it's a gamble. Exactly. The whole stock <laughs> market is a gamble. It really is. It's like, are you willing? Especially, and I'm talking about the long term SP 500 yeah. type shit. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the the stuff that people Stocks. do on it, like as you said, the day to day trading. Right? Mm-hmm. It really is a gamble. So now it comes into Arab cultural ethics with money. Gambling is a huge gambling. no-no in this parts of the world, mm-hmm. right? And- yeah, I mean, Ali, I just want to say, like, it's BS. Like, in Arab countries, they say they're against gambling, but there's, like, <laughs> 25 billion, <laughs> like, varieties of gambling. Even open publicly. Oil. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. like, it's, it's horrible. I, I know, but, like, I'm not talking too. about what big people yes, are yes. doing. I'm talking about me as a person, yeah, right? Philosophy. Me as yeah, a exactly. person. Uh, I'm not. I don't like to consider myself as part of a whole fucking group. No, I'm talking about me. With gambling, Mm -hmm. it's a huge no-no with me, right? And I'm, but I want to invest. In the end of the day, I want to make this crazy amounts of money. People became overnight millionaires. Stock trading. And it's crazy. It really is. It's great. Like that GameStop bullshit. How the fuck did people make GameStop? Like people became broke also. I know a lot of people that borrowed money and then. I mean, they they missed the train, honestly. Like people were on Reddit literally yelling, hey, invest, right? (laughs) They kind of pushed it for a little too long. I'd say, I don't know. I mean, you're the financial expert, right? So what the fuck happened with, <laughs> with GameStop? What happened there? How did that shit go to... I, I want to ask a question about crypto before we jump to GameStop. Right, go ahead. Uh, if we can. Which is, do you think... It, yeah, do you think Bitcoin is a good inflation hedge? Because a lot of people talk about it as an inflation hedge, uh, as a way to just store the value of your money. And, you know, while simultaneously, there's the fact that there's the whales... Uh, you know, capturing big percentages of the market cap and uh, they might be able to affect it strongly because there's no limitations on cryptocurrency trading. So what do you think about that? That's a great question because, um, you know, crypto really isn't my specialty. However, I, I work with enough people now that we've kind of gotten a, an idea of it. And the thing is, it, it, it's, it follows a, a very typical, you know, stock market, right? Because if the more you try to time the market, the more you try to, you know, see what the future holds, the more you're going to be disappointed down the line. 
I would say it's too early to really see if this could be a hedge against inflation because look, inflation is going to be there regardless, right? There was, I believe the statistic was over 40% of the currency that's ever been printed in America's, in American's history was produced in 2020, right? Isn't that insane? Uh, like, <laughs> it's insane, yeah. Inflation's insane. going up regardless. Like that's, it's, it's going up. <laughs> like, inflation means? It just means the, the value of money gets devalued over time. So if something's I, a two, it's about a two to three percent growth rate per year. Um, and everything becomes more expensive. Like for example, in California now, gas is shooting, is going to the moon pretty much. And when are we going to see that? <laughs> when are we going to see that inflation uh, happen since you said 40% of the US dollar has been printed out in 2020? I would say honestly, within the next two to three calendar years, fiscal years, maybe. Mm. Um, and oh, that's just- So we're basically seeing the drop of the US dollars in the next two to three years. Well, you're also going to see a huge drop in the real estate market because whenever and when real estate oh, goes God. down, everything else goes down, right? Because real estate That's is one of the stable. biggest parts. Exactly, right? So when everything, when the most stable becomes unstable, guess what? The rest of the economy is just rocked, right? So are we seeing because another 2008 financial crisis repeat? I would say bigger. Oh, Holy oh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, here. We're not giving any financial advice in this episode. Let me just it right before I say this. We're gonna put a, it's all speculation. Yeah, we're gonna put a like notice before this episode starts. We are not yep. giving you financial advice, especially episode after this one, question. It's going right? crazy. Especially after this question, which I think I'm gonna make the last question because we're almost out of time. Right, right. One KD, one Kuwaiti dinar is worth about three point three dollars in the states. Right. When the inflation happens, this just came to my head. Should I buy more U.S. dollars, wait for the deflation, right, and then sell them again? I think I think not. I don't know if there is a deflation. I don't know. If there is. I don't know. If, uh, listen, again, we're not giving any financial advice. I'm very bad at money, as I said in the beginning of the episode. It's kind of the so, opposite of what you want to do, Ali. Yeah, you just want to keep hold of your Kuwaiti dinars, basically. Yeah. No, no, no. But, but 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 there are people who actually do this. They like buy different currencies, wait for their prices to go up, and then sell them again, and they get more yeah. for their value, right? Yeah, basically, so. the value of your, your currency is gonna go up now, and compared to the dollar. Exactly. But then there will come a so time eventually, <laughs> right? Where where it's gonna go, okay. So one is four, one is three now, right? Let me Just explain listen. it to you. Let me explain it to you, then you can explain it back to me. Let, <laughs> hear me out. You buy at the bottom, you sell at the top, man. This is let me just, just hear me out. Hear me, hear me out, right? <laughs> I buy it when it's worth four or five dollars. One is worth five, right? No, is that not what you're supposed to do? It's the opposite. Oh, so I buy <laughs> wait now. Wait for it to go wait down. Wait for it value, to go down. Then you buy. And then I. No, oh. you buy later. You buy later. You guys and then you wait for it to go up again. Honestly. This is why I don't I, deal with money. This I'll is explain why I'm not it to that. you. Hey, you love World of Warcraft, right? Yes. <laughs> right? If <laughs> things on 6 p.m. are more expensive on the trading post, right? True. So when you want to buy, like when you want to make money, you buy stuff at 5 a.m. and then you sell it at 6 p.m. <laughs> okay. Right. So now, now things are cheap for you. So you yes. could buy, you know, you could keep like your dinars. Later on, you, you can buy more dollars. It will be the equivalent of the morning, the early morning. Right. So wait for the dollars to go down in price. Buy. Wait for it yes, to go up in price. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then sell. By the way, so dumbasses. That's exactly what I've been trying to say the whole time. But none of you would listen. You weren't saying that. You weren't saying that. Right. Was I was I not saying that? I was saying I should wait for the. I should wait for one to become five. Buy. Then wait for it to go back to three. Sell. Was I not Never saying mind. that? <laughs> Come That's on, guys. Oh, we got right, you. Some, replay <laughs> the damn clip. You'll see that I was saying it the whole time, right? But okay, before before we end this, I just want to go on to the point because Ryan, you said that the uh, cryptocurrency is in the short run, but based on what we were just talking about, and based on from like to be honest, from what I've heard is that governments are even considering creating uh, their own virtual currency. Wouldn't you say cryptocurrency is probably um, the future of? maybe currencies in general since we're talking about the dollar going down and stuff like that i mean truthfully like your guess is as good as mine right because <laughs> the reason the reason why like if i were to sit here and try to like hedge my bets and try to figure out like well based off of this statistic and do, 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 like it wouldn't work right like that's, that's not my that's <laughs> not something that 
yeah. you know, that that's not something that I would truthfully care about either way, because crypto, like it's what people don't understand is that short money doesn't make long money. And what I mean by that is if the gains in all the stock market and the gains in all the cryptocurrency that you have, if you don't know how to manage it, and if you don't know where to sell and how to sell or, or, or anything like, or when to hold, you're just going to lose your money over the over the long term to begin with. Right. Most people are better off putting their money into an indexed part. Right. Where it's no, it's going to it's going to cap out, you know, at a certain percentage, but it's also not going to fall below a certain percentage either. Right. Yeah. So they're better off doing that for the long term. And then, yeah, have some fun with crypto. By all means, invest in the meme currency. Right. I think it's hilarious. Right. I want to make some A2 coin here. Like, no, like, no, no <laughs> here, right. But the thing is, is like, if you can and you want to go for it, do I know if it's the future? I don't know. You know, maybe. Maybe we'll be in the future where we're still AirPods to each other. Who knows? Like, <laughs> this is not a. We're not sponsored by AirPods, by the way. Uh, AirPods, by the way. So. Uh, but it's true because money has changed. Before we wrap up, I just want to say money has changed. We used to go from trading sheep for some like other shit to <laughs> trading gold and coins, right? Now we're using some paper that's being printed on some factory somewhere in this world, right? And who knows yeah. what the future holds? So, no financial advice from us. Don't listen to us. We're just a bunch of idiots talking to an expert. So, <laughs> hey. Thank you. All right. I want right. to talk to you about something kind of, I think um, you were talking about capitalism. I think capitalism is amazing, at least the growth and innovation. I think part of the problem is, though, that the people who have a lot of money aren't sharing their money and they create a lot. And then other people are left listening <coughs> to <you>. Communism. <laughs> what do you think? All right. What do you think of what do you think of the role of charity and um, how much uh, do you contribute to charity and how much do you think we should all contribute uh, from our own earnings? And here and here's the thing is that you know from your earnings, I wouldn't even say that you need to contribute anything per year, right? But what I would can say what I would say is go volunteer your time, right? Because you don't know where your money is going to go in a charity. Like don't get me wrong, I I donate to veterans charities because I'm a veteran of the Marine Corps. Like I do all that stuff, right? But I also make sure to just, you know, give out a $20 bill to someone in the street, right? I'll yeah. go to a homeless shelter and I'll go try to, I'll give my service. I will give my physical service to someone, right? So when it comes to capitalism and with money and how much you should give, that's completely everyone's prerogative. But whenever I, pers- it's my personal philosophy to go out there and be selfless, be selfless with my actions. And then that way it'll carry me to be more selfless with my money too, yep. right? Because then I, I, I know where I come from, right? I don't come from a, a glorious country right like i'm mexican like i don't i don't come from anything great so, it's a glorious country like, it's not like it's not a great country let's be real right? three of us come from lebanon so yeah we, we understand exactly <laughs> i think right? that relates really well to your previous point as well on ownership because uh when you do take ownership for your life and you say okay i am responsible for a lot of it you also respond you realize that a lot of who you are also extends to what's around you, to your community and how you can help it as it also helps you in return, inevitably. So absolutely, yeah, that's brilliant. Give to charity. Thank you for watching another episode of A to the Show. If you guys enjoyed this episode <laughs> half as much as we enjoyed filming it for you, please do like, subscribe, and share. Right? Special thanks to Ryan and subscribe. the boys for coming on. Boys, thank thanks, you for Ryan. giving us and an hour of your time as well. Boys. Ryan, mm-hmm. we will leave a link to his uh, social media in the description below. You go give him a follow, let him know we sent you. Uh, is there anything you'd like to shout out or let the world know, Ryan? Um, go do good shit, guys. That's all. You know, <laughs> We're on it. Better. Done 300 right? episodes of 300 good episodes shit. of teaching you some good <laughs> shit. Please like, subscribe, yes. share, peace, interact love, with us. It's happiness. our anniversary. Oh yes. yeah, 300 episodes, guys. We read all our comments. So quickly, go <laughs> comment. I'm gonna read it. Peace. <laughs> Goodbye. Love, happiness, and we'll see you.